Is it on now? Is it on now? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. So a process by definition is something that's ongoing. It's a series of actions or steps in order to achieve a particular end. In our case, that particular end won't come until Jesus either takes us home or comes back for us. So that's why this is going to be an ongoing process, right? So I say all that to say, if you attend this church regularly, you're going to hear those words, connect, grow, go, mentioned quite a bit. Because everything we do will be with an eye towards helping us move through those three steps. And there's a lot of ways to talk about and present this three-step process. But since we're in the early stages of this new mission, I wanted to approach this from a little bit of a theological perspective. By that I mean to say there, there are a lot of practical ways to talk about uh, this process of connect, grow, and go. But starting out as we lay the foundation for this process, I kind of wanted us to see the spiritual aspect of this. And here's why. If you don't understand the spiritual aspect of this process, you won't understand why this is something that you need to do and need to be intentional about. Because listen to me, this process, connect, grow, and go, it is not intuitive to us. And I'm going to show you why, because Jesus showed us why in a story he told one time that kind of explains this process and why this process isn't intuitive to us, all right? Why we need to be intentional about pursuing them. The story is in the form of a parable. It's a well familiar to uh, those of you who grew up in the church. But we're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective than you've probably heard it preached or taught on before. In this parable, Jesus actually shows us not only where we currently are in our journey with God, but also how to get to that next step. I mentioned last Sunday how I debated about the, the title of the series. Part of me wanted to title it, You Are Here, which is a phrase oftentimes that you see on those maps when you go to a, a large big box store or a, a theme park, Worlds of Fun or something, you walk in and you see a map as you are well, why are those maps there you know you're there what what are the maps for to help you get where you want to go right sue and i went to uh ikea uh, a couple weeks ago hadn't been there in a long time but you walk in there and sure enough you, you are here you know and you see where you want to go right so um so that we decided to go ahead and go what's next uh so um as we jump into this before we, we begin unpacking the parable i wanted to share some results of a survey that took place a few years ago. And this survey was taken of over five, I think it was 500 churches in America. And uh, the survey was designed to measure how well churches were at getting people to walk through this process, connect, grow, and go. Now, they used a different word for it. They used a spiritual religious term called discipleship, right? You all familiar with that word discipleship. But basically, that's what connect, grow, and go is. It's trying to work us through this process of discipleship. So someone did this survey of 580 churches in North America, and, and they kind of wanted to find out how effective they were in this process of discipleship or connect, connecting, growing, and going. And what they discovered in this survey was there are four types of church people, and that's important to understand that these, this survey was taken within a church, okay? But they found out that there are four types of church people, and, and I'm going to use some couple of letters to kind of uh, shorten it. But the first type of people is EG, and those are people who are exploring God. These are people who are attending church, but have not taken that next step of faith to invite Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. This is where we all start, okay? This is where we all start. But remember, since this survey was churches, there's a whole nother category that I'm not going to put up there, but you can call, if you want to put it in your notes, FG, and that's far from God, okay? 
Those are the un, those are the unchurched people that aren't coming to church. Those are the people we're wanting to reach in our community. Okay, so you basically have the FG, the far from God, and then you have the EG, the people that are exploring God. The second group of people is BG, people who are beginning or connecting with God. Right? These are the people that start out exploring God, but in their exploring God, they come to this crisis moment of placing their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. The third group of people is uh, CG, people who are uh, close to God, which is they're, they're growing, okay? They're growing in their relationship with Christ. And then the fourth group of people is GC, people who are God-centered. They are going with God, all right? All right, now, for the sake of our study, we're going to label each of these groups to help us track with that, all right? So, um, as we go through this process, basically, the exploring God group are learning about fellowship. Okay, that's kind of their learning about fellowship. The beginning with God group are learning about relationship. The close to God group are learning about discipleship. These aren't in your I think they're in your notes there, but you can, if not, you can write those down. And the fourth group is the God-centered group is learning about lordship. So fellowship, relationship, discipleship, and lordship. Those, those are the kind of the, the characteristics of each of those four groups of people. All right, let's start in on the parable. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We'll begin with the first five verses. Again... He began to teach beside the sea. This is Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and set it and set in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold a sower. Now, here's the reference to the first group. The E.G. exploring God. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground. Now here's referencing the, sec the, the heart condition of the second group. Rocky ground, the BG, beginning with God group, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. All right, verses 6 through 9. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Now here's the third group, the, the CG or close to God group. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds, and this is the fourth group, or the God-centered group, fell onto good soil and produced grain growing up, increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you grew up in the church, you probably heard that phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so you kind of means. But to an unchurched person or someone who's not all that familiar with the Bible, that phrase can sound sort of bizarre, right? He who has ears to hear. I mean, like, were there people that didn't have ears back then? I mean, really, you think, we take that for granted. We know what he's talking about, those of you that grew up in the church. But there might be some people, what, what is he talking about? He's talking about a spiritual reality there, right? He's, he's obviously not talking about literal ears. He's talking about a spiritual reality. And let me remind you, in case you didn't know, but the Bible is a spiritual book writing about spiritual realities to a spiritual audience. Okay, let me say that again. The Bible is a spiritual book writing about spiritual realities to a spiritual audience. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the natural mind will never be able to understand this book. You can read it, you can glean some very interesting and even amazing historical facts from it, right? But until you're born again, until you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and His Spirit indwells you, you're really not going to get out of this book all that he wants you to get. And we need to understand that. Right? The Bible is a spiritual book written to spiritual beings. 
And see, I had always understood this agricultural story that Jesus told, this parable, that he was talking about three bad people and one good person. I'd always kind of understood that. He's talking about three bad people and then one good person. But that's not the case. Let's read on, verses 10 through 13. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now watch this next verse. This is amazing. I've read this parable hundreds of times, but something on this jumped out at me this past week that I'd really never noticed before, at least from this perspective. Watch closely what Jesus says next in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parable? You realize what he's saying there? Do you realize what Jesus is saying there? He's saying if you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Just know that, hey, this is a spiritual reality. And we need to understand that, right? All right, he continues on. Mark 14, uh, 14 to 20. The sower sows the word. He begins to explain. Now Jesus explaining the parable. Now telling us the word of God. See that? Verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, now watch this because he's going to tell us what the birds of the air represent. Satan immediately, huge word, because it gives us some context to the urgency with which Satan tries to steal God's word from us, immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. Now we'll come back to this word, thorns, if not this week, next week. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Talking about the conditions of the heart of those four groups of people. You see that? Okay. Now, real quick, let me tell you what, explain what a parable is. Before we go back through and unpack this parable, let's talk about that word because it comes from two Greek words, para, which means alongside of, and bole, which means to throw, to throw alongside of. Uh, that's the literal meaning of the word parable. In the Bible, a parable was a story that Jesus would use when he was teaching, and he would use a story as an illustration to throw along the side, alongside the truth that he was making to help the people embrace it and understand it. Something on the human level to help the people understand the spiritual truth that he was conveying. All right, That's why he told parables. There's another Greek word that has the para prefix on it that we talked about back during our Holy Ghostbusters series. How many of you were here for that? And the, the word that we talked about there was the word paraclete. Paraclete. Para alongside, actually, kletos, to walk, to walk alongside. And that's how he describes the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to walk alongside us, okay? All right, I won't charge any extra for that Greek lesson, but all right. Now, for many years, I misinterpreted this parable because for the long, I interpreted this parable to, talk, to be talking about three bad people and one good person. You know, three bad hearts and one good heart, right? Three people that didn't receive the word and one who did. But when you take a closer look at the parable, you discover that it's not talking about bad people, 
but rather a bad enemy. You see that? It's talking about a bad enemy. Our adversary, the devil, and how we can overcome our adversary at each stage of our spiritual growth. That's why this is an intuitive to us. That's why we need to be intentional about it. And that's why we're going to walk you through these three steps and hold you accountable so that the devil won't steal it from you so you can grow and become the person God's wanted you to be, wants you to be, right? So the story mentions four groups of people, and each of these groups of people are growing, all right? Even those in the first group, those exploring God, are growing. Well, say, how can that be? Well, remember when Jesus said that we get saved? When we get saved, it's like being born again or, or born from above, right? So question, does a baby grow in the womb? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why even that first person exploring God, that's why they can be growing, right? So uh, before uh, uh, we, we kind of begin to grow in our understanding of God, even in our exploring and even in our searching, right? And by the way, we never quit growing. It doesn't matter which group you happen to be in, EG, BG, CG, GG, whatever, right? We never come to the place where we're finished growing because, listen, if we ever stop growing, we'll go backwards. We don't stay the same. We do not stay Static. No, you either go, you're either going forward or back. All right, that's the nature of spiritual growth. That's how it works. So again, please note that there are four groups of people mentioned in the parable. If there are four groups, then then there's then there's three gaps. Right? See that? See that gap? That gap? That gap? Connect, grow, and go. All right. Connect, grow, and go. All right. So, uh, those are the three steps that we're going to be going through. So, they did this survey to see how well churches were at discipling, getting people to progress through those steps mentioned, connect, grow, and go. And the results of the survey uh, exposed one very important truth and revealing how people got from point A. Actually, they exposed each of those, how people got from each of these steps. Uh, but the first point, how they got from point A to point B, right? And the one common denominator... When it came to people advancing through each of these steps, from that first step, was grace. Exploring, right? To connect. Right? See, people in the connection group, the beginning with God, right? The growing group close to God and the, and the going group God-centered. They understand what grace is all about. They know that there's nothing they can do to ever earn favor with God. That it's only by God's grace that they're able to connect, grow, and go. People in the EG, the exploring God category, they're struggling with this idea that they can somehow earn favor with God if they do the right things or don't do the wrong things. That's why grace is the key, the first step to this process. Grace unlocks the door for us to move through these steps of connecting, growing, and going. Once we're able to wrap our minds around the fact that there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, that's when we surrender our heart to the Lord and begin connecting and then growing and going. So grace is the key that allows us to begin connecting with God. All right? What about the next step? All right? Connecting, growing, and going. So how do we get from connecting with God to growing with God? See, that's when we begin to understand the importance of God's Word. All right? To begin growing with God, we must first understand that the Bible is not optional. It's not something that we can read occasionally if we have time, right? But rather, it is our life source. How many times have you heard me make the comment during a sermon, y'all should read your Bible sometimes? Right? You guys should read your Bible sometimes. Look, when Jesus called his word the bread of life, he wasn't trying to sound poetic. He wasn't trying to sound cutesy. 
he was he was making a, a very important point. This 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 needs to be like bread to us, our sustenance. We need to come to the place where we view this not as an optional book to read, but as our very life source. That's how we need to begin to view this book. In the same way that bread is a staple for physical bodies. The bread of God's Word is a staple for our spiritual being. Alright? People who move from group 2, connecting with God, to group 3, growing uh, in God, or getting close, or, uh, God sent, or closer to God, right? <laughs> They're the people who manage to carve out some time in their very busy, hectic schedules to spend some time reading the Bible. Why? Because as cliche as it sounds, it really is true. This is our owner's manual. It really is. And we need to begin to view it from that perspective. Right? Look, this will tell you how to run your business. This will tell you how to raise your kids. This will tell you how to have a good marriage. This will tell you how to do anything that you want to do. Okay? The Bible is the final authority on all things. I don't, I don't do a lot of uh, marriage counseling. I do, I do more premarital counseling. In fact, every couple that I marry, um, I ask. I say, look, I'm honored to do that, that you asked me, and I would be honored to do it, but I ask every couple that I marry to go through some premarital counseling with me. I, I just have a very strong conviction about that. And, and, I, and I'm very upfront. I say, look, if you don't want to do it, can't do it, that's fine. No harm, no foul. I'm not going to be mad at you. That's just me. Me to do it. I want you to do these counseling sessions. And, and most of the time, people are okay with that. I just finished up with Keith and Sydney. All right. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. So, so, so that that that's kind of just me. But I don't do I don't do a lot of marital counseling. I do more premarital. I'm going to try to catch it on the front end, so I don't have to do the marital counseling, right? But the few times there have been a few times that I've done marriage counseling, and I'll tell you what I do. At at some point early on in that process, I will ask them about their relationship with God and how they view this book. Because here's the thing, if they don't view this as the final authority, I can't help them. I can't help them. And there are times that yeah, people, they walk out and, and, and I, because I can't help them. If they don't understand that this, is, this has the final say on marriage and what makes marriage work, we, we've got no common ground for me to help them. I'm not mean about it, I just, <laughs> that it's what it is, you know. So, I can't help them get their marriage back on track if they don't view that as God's final authority. And then the next step, moving from growing, owing, the common denominator there in that other gap, that third gap, is wrapped up around this word, giving. Oh, here he goes. Preacher's always talking about money. Here we go. Now listen, understand. This isn't just about money. This isn't just... People who are God-centered... Those are the people that have learned to understand that part of, 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 of really connecting with God on a close level and being God-centered is recognizing that He owns everything anyway. So it's not just giving your treasure, it's giving your time. You see what I'm saying? It, those are the people that really have an eternal perspective. Yeah, tithing is part of it. Those are the people that have... Have, have experienced firsthand that, yeah, like, like Kyle said, you know, you can get a whole lot more with 90% with God's blessing than 100% without His blessing. Okay? So, um, but these are the people um, that understand that, that comment that Jesus says, man, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. That's what He was talking about. 
But if you give your life away, that's when you'll gain it. Those are the God-centered people. So that's what that third gap there, the people that move from close to God to God-centered, it's wrapped up in that word giving. So in the survey, um, Egypt will rarely talk to God, exploring God, right? Uh, people, the next group, BG people occasionally talk to God. The CG people frequently talk to God. And the God-centered people talk to God all the time. And at that level, at, at the God-centered level, you are married to Jesus. That's basically what it is. You view you, your, your relationship with Him like you do, hopefully, a good marriage. Okay, that's the God-centered people. That's how they, they view the relationship with the Lord. Now, it took me a while to lay all this out, but our focus this morning is on that first group, the people who are exploring God. So, back to a couple verses here in Mark 4, 14 and 15. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, I'm going to say something that might shock some of you. But, but I don't want to get your emails. You know, if, email God if you've got a problem with this. But here, here's, here's the comment. Uh, according to Jesus, not me, according to Jesus, Satan has the ability to steal God's word from us. Satan has the ability to steal God's word from us. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. That's not my view, right? But it's worse than that. Not only can Satan steal God's word from our heart, he apparently does it with a tremendous search, uh, sense of urgency because it says immediately he comes and steals. Jesus says that. Immediately Satan comes. This is why we need to guard our heart. Our heart determines, listen, our heart determines our spiritual growth and whether or not we're going to reap 30, 60, or 100 fold. That's why the sooner you begin engaging in this process of connect, grow, and go, the better chance you're going to have of growing spiritually in your walk with God. Do you see that? Two of you see that. And even if you're not in that first group exploring God, you still need to hear this because you know someone who's in that first group. Even if you're not there, you know someone who is there. And they need to know this. How many of you, think about this, how many of you know someone, maybe a neighbor, maybe a co-worker, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a peer or someone, and, uh, and, and they, you know, they, they know you're a Christian, but they're not, you know, they don't go to church, or maybe they used to go to church, but they're not currently going to church, and then they hit some turbulence in their life. You know, may, uh, maybe they're, you know, the marriage is on the rocks, or they've got some uh, kids that are making unwise choices, or, or maybe it's a health issue. And so they know you're a Christian, and so, and so they come to you, which is good, they should, and so, and ask you to pray, pray with them. And, and then you kind of follow up on that over the next couple weeks, you know, and, hey, you know, how are things going? But then at some point in time, you notice that they kind of get kind of cold, and, and you know, you, you, when, you, when you talk to them, all of a sudden the, the answers are shorter. They don't want to talk to you. They're not interested anymore. What happened? Satan came and stole that word. Jesus tells us what happened. That's exactly what happened. Right? says so Satan came immediately and stole the seeds of God's Word. Word that you begin sowing into their heart and to their lives, as you should. So question, if Satan follows up on people immediately, why don't we? That's a fair question. If Satan follow, if he has a sense of urgency, why don't we? Because we should. Right? How much more should our urgency be following up on people's as we plant seeds in their heart as God uses us to plant the seeds of God's word in their heart 
Now, this same parable is found in Matthew 13 and Mark and, and uh, Luke chapter 8. So uh, let's read those real quick. Matthew 13, 19. This is, this is Matthew's uh, uh, ver- or, uh, uh, version of this. When anyone hears the word of, of, of kind of this part of the story, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Okay? Why does God want us to understand his word? Luke tells us in his version of the parable, Luke 8, Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. See, that's why the people in that first group, the exploring God, haven't got saved yet. Again, you either know someone in that group or you're in that group. So here are three things you need to know about that first group. All right, Three things you need to know about that first group so that you can understand the word and connect with God. First of all, Connecting with God is not based on works. Connecting with God is not based on works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift, the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In other words, if you want to go to heaven, I've got good news for you. You don't have to earn your way there. right? You couldn't anyway. You couldn't earn your way there anyway. It's not based on works. It's based on His works. He already did the job. Okay? John 6, 28 and 29. Then they said to him, what must, we do to, uh, what must we do to be doing the works? Notice plural. The works. Jesus answered them, this is the work, singular, of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Okay? And you know what the really interesting thing is? How the people in that last group, the God-centered group, the, the, the supposedly mature group. Isn't it interesting how often people in that group tend to gravitate back towards the work? Oh, don't look at me like that. You know I'm telling you the truth. We do. We don't want to. But man, there, there, there's just something about this too good to be true, right? I think that if we... It's not legit. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. There are going to be times you're going to be tempted to gravitate towards the works in your relationship with the Lord. Listen to me. No, you, you still don't deserve it. And there's still nothing you can do to, to earn it. You still don't deserve it. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. That doesn't change. So point number one, salvation is not based on works. Paul tells us it's a gift. Point number two, connecting with God is a free gift. Now, I say free because, you know, and Paul told us in Ephesians, it's a gift. But, but here, it's a free gift. And I, and I think that's an interesting distinction because in this day and age, we've all heard the TV preachers or evangelists or whatever, you know, that, that, that talk about, you know, if you've been blessed by this ministry for a $50 donation, we'll send you a free Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm talking about? So there's gift and then there's a free gift. And that's what Paul says the salvation is, right? Not only is connecting with God a gift, it is a free gift. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. You want to work for your connection with God? Fine. You know what you're going to get paid? Death. I'm just telling you. If you want to work for it, go for it. But the payday's death. 
Paul tells us, go ahead. If you want to go down that route, if you want to go down that path, you can do it. But it's death. But the free, there it is again, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you are old enough to remember the hymn, Jesus Paid It All? Jesus Paid It All. That's what it's about. He didn't make a down payment and say, okay, I started out, you can pay the rest. He didn't put it on layaway. You young pups don't know what layaway is. Layaway was God's way of helping parents get out of buying their kids stuff back in the day. You'd be at Kmart. Right? And the kid would be, oh, I want that, I want that. You know, say, okay. It's on layaway. Two weeks later, the kid, you call up there, yeah, just go ahead and put that back on the shelf, right? Connecting with God is a free gift. All we have to do is receive it. A free gift. It's like this $20 bill, you know? I'm going to give this as a gift. Who wants this? Who wants it? There you go. There you go. Thank you, Landon. You've got to come and get You see that? Yep. Nicole's going to say, why didn't you go up there and get that? That's one of the biggest obstacles to connecting with God. We've been conditioned to be skeptical that anything that's free, it can't be legit. There's got to be No. No catch. No catch. <laughs> You'll be waiting until Jesus comes back. <laughs> connecting with God is not based on works. Connecting with God is a free gift. And then thirdly, connecting with God is easy. It's easy. Romans 10.9 Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. How simple is that? How simple is that? Don't complicate what God made simple. Think about this. God took the most complicated issue in the world. How a simple person can connect with a holy God and He reduced it to two steps. You repent and you believe. Confess Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead. You're saved. Right? That's it. Everyone bow your head. If there is anyone here this morning, and you're in that first category, you're exploring God, and you've never taken that first step, I'm going to tell you, you're not here by accident. God's got your number. Got a plan and purpose for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer here in a minute. I just want you to just pray that you don't have to say it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. Because God wants you to get right with Him. And He wants you to begin to connect with Him first and then with His people and then begin that process of growing and then growing. But you got to take that first step. So just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I've blown it. I've made poor choices. I've made bad decisions. But I want to begin living my life for you. 
I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I pray that you would help me to begin to live my life. Pray these things in your name. Okay. Now here's another thing I want you to do. Before you leave here, I want you to do one of two things or both. I want you to tell someone, if you prayed that prayer, you say, hey, I prayed that prayer with Pastor. And or I'd like for you to take one of those connection cards on the back of the chair because there's a place on there where that you can check that says, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Put your name on that. Just check on that. And either put it in the offering box or drop it off at the next step bar out there. Would you do that for me? Okay. Let's all stand. Connecting with God. Connecting with God. That's the first step in this growth process. Lord, I pray now as we go from here that you would cause us to just be open. Say to us as we learn more about these different steps as you draw us closer to you and bring us to that place where we can be begin living a life that 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 abundant life that you died for us to to live and enjoy and i do pray father if someone prayed that prayer that they would be willing but they would have the courage to do that either go and tell someone tell me or at least put it on that card so that we can begin praying for them in this new found relationship with you pray these things in your name everybody said Amen. Amen. Lord bless you and go with the Lord.